This is based with Des and Hiram. We are live. Hello, everybody. I am Carissa Des. And my name is Hiram Garcia. We have our special guest here today, Rizzo, the homie. Hey, y'all. What's up? I'm Rizzo. And uh, today we'll be talking about what it what it is to be non-binary living in this um, living in this patriarchal system and Absolutely. what that's like. It should be a wonderful conversation because I feel like I'm probably the least informed for me too. And when I was talking to Carissa about talking about this topic, she told me that it'd be a really good idea if I just kind of sat back, listened to you guys and ask questions accordingly. Uh, so again, thank you so much for being here and talking about such an important topic. You know, I, I try to be as educated and as informed as possible. And even then, I feel like just like anybody else, we could always use, you know, a lot more information about how to navigate the world around us. So. Okay. And for those who are just listening and aren't watching, Hiram is wearing a really creepy mask. So it's going to be really hard for me to take him seriously. <laughs> I don't know. It's not like a skeleton mask. It's just like a face with no, it's just eyes and no mouth or nose. Anyway, I'm really creeped out right now. But uh, this is our Halloween episode of base. So we had to dress. What are what are you Rizzo? I'm just a getting off work clown, you know, couldn't take off the collar. So <laughs> here we are. I love that. Clown. I, like Hiram, it. I like it. Can you check our sound? Yeah, of course. It sounds like it's coming through well. We're doing well. All right. Um, I'm not clipping yeah. on my end at all. Like hello, it. hello, hello. Testing, testing, quick testing. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, anybody who's in the chat, I don't have... Okay. And I, for Halloween, am a uh, stripper who just got off work. So... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With green hair. <laughs> What is uh, what is that movie with Natalie Portman where she has like she wears different color wigs? Do you know what I'm talking about? All right, I'll have to look that up later. But she was really pretty in that. So, uh, but and and I was telling Hiram. So for this episode specifically, don't forget to use the correct pronouns: they, them, for Rizzo and me. And also another thing that Rizzo and I have in common is that our our birth names are. Uh, is it okay if I say? I mean, I already, totally. I already said it. <laughs> uh, both of our names are Carissa. And I like when we hang out, I go by Des and they go by Rizzo. So neither of us even go by Carissa. When we, well, oh, I mean, I, I do sometimes. Depends on yeah, who so I'm around. I think but. you're mentioning something that's obviously really important uh, when navigating our world. And that's understanding how to communicate with others, right? And one of the first things to consider in that journey is learning how to understand how other people around us identify themselves uh, and what they feel most comfortable projecting uh, to the world. And I think that because we can and we do it for the people we love, right? Uh, like you said, Carissa, it's always appropriate to try to use those pronouns, but don't take my word for it. I think one question I have for you and Rizzo is, you know, what is, what is, what is, why, why is this personally something really important for you? Something like a pronoun or your birth name, or your chosen name, uh, you know, today? Hiram, um, that's a very good question. And 
can you next time maybe turn up your volume a little bit? Cause it's really hard to hear you through that mask. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. I'll be louder. <laughs> All right. Do you want to answer the question first, Rizzo? Yeah. Um, I would say for me personally, um, my name has kind of just been like a journey because I've had a lot of like stage names and weird names that I've gone by just like in youth. I've never really gone by like Carissa. So whenever I was coming into my like non-binary identity, my biggest thing was choosing a name that felt comfortable for me. And one of my favorite movies is Grease. And so I basically chose my name. I used to go by Rissa a lot. Like that was like my dance name. Most of my friends called me that. My family called me that. And then when I was trying to think of a way to like take the like basically a ending out because it's very feminine. I thought about that movie and I thought about my favorite character in that movie. And I was like, oh, I basically embody the character Rizzo in Greece, no matter what my gender is. And yeah. she's, she's kind of a badass bitch too. Basically, like she's, she's the hero of the film. Hero of the film. Um, I don't watch that movie for anyone but Rizzo, but <laughs> that's how I basically got my name. And so the way I like to basically say it is it's like, unless you know my name or I'm being like candid with you about my birth name, don't call me by my birth name. Like if we're meeting people, call me Rizzo. That's what people know me as. That's what I'm on the internet as. Like we don't need to confuse anyone more. It's just an interesting backstory that me and Carissa share that right. I think is super fucking cool. So yeah. Yeah. And it's funny when we first met, it was at the thesis. Shout out to Mac and the thesis uh, every first Thursday, right? Is it first Thursday? I was, anyway, yes. Uh, and we met outside of there with, we were hanging out with a, a few other people. And uh, you were like, oh, your name is Des. Okay. And then you guys, I already knew somebody named Des. And I was like, all right, well, then you can call me Carissa. And then you're like, oh, what? <laughs> so that was, it was, yeah, it was kind of, it, it was kind of funny. But anyway, so. So yeah, and I I think I think it's important that people call us whatever the hell we want to be called, really. I, like I feel like some people are triggered by that for some reason, like having to call you something different than what they kind of expect for you to be, you know. Um, but I don't think it's that hard to just take the extra step to to think about it, you know. And for me, you don't really seem like a Carissa. You seem more like a Rizzo, but maybe that's just because that's how I met you. Um, but I also feel like, I mean, I I can be pretty, f- really hyper feminine, but then Carissa sometimes does not feel like it's fitting to me. And growing up, I didn't really like it. And I didn't tell my parents that because I like was very sweet and didn't want to hurt their feelings. But growing up, I hated my name and, um, but I couldn't think of another name to put in place of it. So, um, but when I started, but when I started live streaming, people just started calling me Des because it was easier to remember because people would call me like Chrissy or like Krista or like Carrie. And I'm like, I don't like any of those. <laughs> like, stop it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so just to make it easier, especially, you know, I don't know, like the environment that I was in, it was just easier to just call me Des. So that's, that's where that came from. But I 100% agree with all of that. I just want to take it a bit further and even say like my background is in like stripping and like camming and doing weird shit online where I don't want people to know like all of my info like that. So I'm comfortable talking about it. But at the same time, like if you have all this info about me, like you could straight up get my address with five bucks on the internet. So like it's a matter of like 
safety for some people. It's also a matter of just like really respecting people with where they're at now versus a person you might have known in the past. Because at the end of the day, like we're all evolving people no matter what our name is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely not the same person that I was even like a year ago. So I definitely agree with that. And not only is it the the safety aspect when it comes to stripping, because we we had an episode on sex work and we talked a little bit about that. Like you have girlfriends or wives who get jealous if they find out and they're like mad at you about it. Or there's all these different reasons why people would want to come after you for being a sex worker, stripper, dancer. Um, so there's that. But then also just being non-binary um and and trans and also a person of color that makes you a target too unfortunately so i definitely understand why you would want to keep things private and i totally feel that but uh well i really appreciate you uh, you guys sharing that and i know that a lot of people that think about uh you know things like choosing and using the right pronouns with friends that choose those pronouns for themselves you know often get nervous or frustrated because just like me you know i have adhd uh sometimes i get caught up in the moment and i forget but i know at least with friends like carissa and some of my other friends is they know that i do everything that i can until it becomes a habit uh you know to to make sure that i stick to those pronouns and I feel like, you know, a lot of people don't even try or don't feel like, you know, they could eventually get into the habit of calling somebody what they want to be called. And I feel like oftentimes you just have to try and it really, you know, is all about, you know, how hard you're willing to go to, you know, give your friends what they deserve, uh, which is that right to identify themselves. So I'm sure other people like Carissa, you know, are going to be generous and nice about moments you mess up or maybe moments that, you know, you forget. Um, because I think it happens honestly because I have ADHD. Yeah. Honestly, I just kind of caved and now I, I'm telling people it's okay to use she, her, like, I don't even, I just, I don't even care anymore. And there's this guy who I met recently at a fashion show. I'm not going to say they're his, she, her name, but they go by all pronouns and they're like, I don't really care. Cause like, sometimes I'm masculine, sometimes I'm feminine. So for me, it's like, you can, I mean, obviously I was born the way I am, but you can call me sir if you want to just like, don't call me ma'am or lady. Those are like the two for some reason that make me cringe, but you can call me whichever one you want. I, I just and, don't even care. Just and you don't have to care, you know, Carissa, but that's just me. Like, that's just my that's preference. Just you, right? There are some people that really feel strongly about it. And I think we should all just try, even if you mess up and even if you don't get it perfectly right, I think there's a stereotype that somebody's going to get mad at you you know, for trying, but really, you know, we're all human and we're all trying. And what matters is that we give each and every person the time of day that they deserve, uh, you know, for us to put that little bit of effort so that they can be comfortable being who they are. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's funny. I was really bad about it one day with Rizzo when we were, you know, I was drinking, we were partying a little bit, a lot of it that <laughs> night. And and I kept saying girl because I was just like really excited to talk with them and um, we were just having a blast and I just kept saying girl you don't even know girl and I was like fuck like every time I would say it so you know even I make that mistake so it, you know the best we can do is try and we, Honestly, we have we have a jar for every time you you fuck up <laughs> And honestly, for me, my friends who use my use the correct pronouns for me and my friends, 
I give them like little points in my head. Like they like rack up points in my head. <laughs> but anyway, Rizzo, uh, when did you decide that you were going to come out as non-binary? I would say hmm, it, was, it was somewhere, <clears throat> excuse me, I just like lost my voice there, but somewhere along my queer journey. So I would say I identified as like a bisexual person for quite a long time. And then I, I started just like doing more things that were off kilter and more gender related. So I would like dress differently and feel more confident and more masculine clothing. Um, also would just think back to like childhood instances where like I felt uncomfortable in my gender and like in ballet, I wanted to like wear my soccer shorts, but like you had to dress up in a dress <clears throat> to be like in the performances, things like that. So I think about all those times in my head, but I finally came out, I would say in 20, like 14 or 15, sometime the collars was falling off. So it's coming off. Uh, and that journey was like really weird because I was still very, very like high femme for the most part, because I was working a day job where I had to look nice every day going into work. I would wear full face makeup all the time, um, which is 100% chill. If that's how you identify in your non-binariness for me, Mine's like a switch. So it's either gremlin or like high femme queen. Um, but in that journey, I had a lot of people being like, oh, well, how do you know that you're non-binary and not just like, not just what you are because you're still wearing skirts. And I would just be like, I know what I they am. They because, don't get it. <laughs> yeah, like this is me. And this has been like my internal conflict. So, like uh, don't take it on or try to question it. But I think over the like last seven years, I've learned a lot about myself and a lot about just like how I don't have to like really meet anyone's expectation through my gender, which has been really, really nice because in the past it was always like very gender based. Um, growing up in like a girls choir, growing up in dance, it was just very like you do things one way. And if you do it any other way, then you can't be like a part of our team. So, yeah. Yeah. I can relate to that because when I was growing up, I was, I want, I was a, what they would call a tomboy with, with, you know, because we didn't have a lot of the terminology that we have now. So I dress very masculine sometimes, sometimes I dress very feminine, but I like to hang out with the guys, even at that age, even when it wasn't. Cause like a lot of, I feel like a lot of women say, oh, they get along better with men. And so when I say it, I'm like, I know this is cliche, but it's, but it's true. Uh, even when I was a kid, I would play baseball or, or like, yeah, ba on a, on a boys baseball team, my dad's baseball team. And he didn't love that, but I was like, I'm going to be on this baseball team. I don't want to be in a softball team. I ended up joining a softball league, um, after like a year or two or whatever it was on the boys team, just because I don't know, they're, they're a little bit too rowdy and they smell bad. So, um, but there's that. And then growing up, like my dad always like wanted to keep the men and the women separate, like doing separate activities. And I talk about this a lot, like, and I hope that he's actually, you know, I hope he's watching, <laughs> but we would, we would have barbecues and the women would be inside drinking wine and the men and like reading, look, talking about books. And the men would be outside drinking beers in the sunshine, barbecuing. And I'm like, I want to hang out outside. Why would I want to, I don't, at the time I didn't like wine. So I'm like, I want to hang out here. And he's like, Oh no, the women are inside. And I would stay out there like in protest. So it was just like a lot of instances like that for me. And, um, yeah, it's just 
when I, I, I didn't even know what non-binary was until I moved to Portland, to be completely honest with you. Um, and that's why I really wanted to have this episode is because I feel like here it's normalized, but in a lot of other places, I feel like people don't even know what that means. So I think it's really important that we talk about it. But um, let's see. So at what age were you when you decided that you were going to come out as non-binary? I don't know if you mentioned that. Yeah. So 2015, let me do some math really quick in my mind. You don't have to tell us your age. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I basically am. In your 20s. Um, yeah, I was like in my like mid 20s, I would say when I like really just started doing the the work to understand why I was questioning more than like my I guess my sexuality, because like at that point, I'll just be honest, I was a little bit of a hoe. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. And that was the way I was confronting like a lot of just my insecurities around my um, the way I was presenting the way that I would validate myself was a lot different than how I do now. And just coming to terms with being non-binary over the last like seven years has been such a like blessing. And I'll say the same thing. Like I moved to Portland. I had like some inkling of, a, of an idea of what it was, but I thought I had to be someone completely different. Um, and Portland really just kind of showed me like, who gives a fuck if you have tits? Like yeah. <laughs> you can still exist as you are right now in your current state. Um, and you don't have to do all the extra things to identify as non-binary. Um, transness is a spectrum. And I think that a lot of folks forget that and think that there's like this ultimate goal of being passing. Like, and that's just not the case. Yeah. And oh, man, when I, when people find out that I'm non-binary, especially men who are interested in me, who don't really know a lot about this type of stuff, they're, they, they're like, Oh, do you have a penis? I'm like, no, but why would you, I mean, I understand like why you would ask that. I'm I like guess. I yeah. Or they're like, you look, you look like a woman, you're a woman. I'm like, you don't get it. It's, it's not about that. Like it's for me, it's, just being able to be whoever I want to be without having the constraints of gender, you know, like being able to go wherever I want, being able to have the personality that I have, which I think isn't very common for, um, for very feminine or like for women, you know, I feel like, um, and, and I was talking to a friend about this the other day where I was like, Oh, like sometimes I feel like, sometimes I feel like women are get jealous of me and this happened like at the club when I was hanging out with people and, um, I'm just like, you know, sometimes I can be the life of the party and like, I like to dress up super cute. And my friend was like, well, some, a lot of women, you know, they, in our culture don't feel comfortable, like being like one of the guys and like being confident in their sexuality. And that can be intimidating because they, or they're thinking like, I, I can't be like that. I don't know how to be like that. So there, there's like a little bit of jealousy there, but I just, and, and I mentioned at first I said, I'm cocky, like, like a dude, like, you know, masculine like that. But then I'm like, you know, and then my friend was like, you know what? You're not cocky. You're just confident. <laughs> and like, and that's for, for women, that's, you know, sometimes frowned upon, you know? Right. And maybe she's bored or they're bored with it. Or maybe it's like, just like a facade. Cause that's like a thing that I would be like accused of. And I'm like, no, I'm confident in my skin. Like no matter what skin that is, it's more so like before I came out, I would just present in a way that was just like, okay, look, I'm a lady. Look, does everyone believe that I am a lady? And it's like, it doesn't have to be like that all the time. And also just like, 
your personhood and all your experiences make up who you are, not not a construct that is created by society. And we could go into that and some of this literature forever to look into like what that means. And yeah, we've existed for a long time. And I'm glad that we have this space now to identify ourselves with the right vocabulary. Yeah. And I recently learned about two spirits and I feel like I'm more of that. And I, it's, and I am indigenous, part indigenous Mexican. So I can, I feel like I relate a little bit more to that for those reasons or, and, and because it's just, it's more like gender fluidity or it's like, basically you take on masculine and feminine roles. That's what two spirit means. And it's pretty much the same as non-binary really. I guess it depends on how you look at it, but I feel like that's how I am. Like I will take on, like I'm very independent. I'll take on masculine and feminine roles depending on who I'm around and the situation. Um, and I have a question for you, Hiram. What do you, what, okay. What are three characteristics that you think that I, our society sees as feminine and three that you see as masculine? So three, two, I the, first, the first one is going to be that, you know, it's expected that in a family, um, the male has to be the breadwinner, uh, right? That is their gender role as the person with the penis. Uh, they need Sorry, to make the money. This is triggering me a little bit, even though I know that this, you're just talking about like how our society views it, but it's still triggering. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's one of the societal views. The other societal views is that men are supposed to work in the laborious, hands-on uh, type of careers, you know? So like women are delicate and can't do the hard and sweaty and difficult labor. That's, I think, another stereotype. And, you know, I think lastly for at least men, like, um, I guess one of them is not being emotional. Uh, you know, men are expected to kind of be the uh, sort of foundation of the family by not being uh, like emotional, being, you know, tough as nails. Um, and the reason I mentioned that is because I think for women, it's really common to have the expectation that, oh, women are emotional or women are dramatic, uh, you know, and the other one is women are supposed to stay at home, take care of the children. That's another, you know, socially constructed general. Um, and I think if there's going to be a third one, uh, one of the ones I think that is the most difficult for me to navigate is as, as someone that's growing up in a Mexican household is that the woman needs to know how to cook. Uh, or she must cook for her <laughs> husband. Uh, and that's absolutely... Sorry, I'm just like, know, I saw Rizzo's face. <laughs> it's like, like, that's like up. absolutely outrageous, right? Like, uh, again, these are all roles that society decided they were going to delegate based on what people's genitalia was at the time of birth. But obviously, you know, we've come, I think, beyond that to understand that these stereotypes or these, I mean, these gender roles are just socially constructed and they're all in our heads and women are free to be the breadwinners, to be the mechanics, to be the ones that are, you know, I mean, whatever they want to be. I mean, it, it doesn't matter if you're a woman or a man, you could play whatever role you want within a household. Um, so, but yeah, that's been my experience, at least with three and three on each side. I just want you to know that I'm not laughing at what you're saying. I'm, I still cannot. I just have like the giggles and I can't stop laughing at your face, your mask. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's okay. Trying really hard. 
Um, you know what? I don't think Rizzo's actually seen my face. Well, if, I don't think if so. You've no. seen? I mean, I've posted. I've seen the yeah, I've seen the podcast like covers and stuff. So you're there, unless you're just this should just be the new look. Yeah, <laughs> you'd have to put like but, a, like a wig on or something. <laughs> like, but I really want to like. <laughs> I really want to touch on that well kind of concept of social constructs. Uh, because like, I think one thing that people don't understand about these traditions or stereotypes is that they're only as good as an opinion, you know, and everybody has opinions and they're all based on everybody's personal experience and taking your idea or perspective of gender roles and making it seem like that's kind of the way things are supposed to be versus the way that you personally in your opinion feel they are i think it's arrogant you know it's a lack of humility um i know they're there because i think when you look at it you know everybody has the right to take whatever role they are if a woman wants to be at home and she wants to be a stay-at-home wife if she wants to cook then she has that right to but it can't be imposed by somebody else it has to be a self-made decision, you know, and I think that that's kind of where like a lot of people have arrogance where like, you know, they think that their idea of what it's supposed to be has to be. And then the truth is everybody could be whatever they want to be. And it's all in our heads. It's all an invention. It's all a social construct. In other words, we made it up. We decided that that's what we felt was going to happen. And what better example than to go to our indigenous neighbors to see how gender roles are so twisted in Western culture, right? Because you look at Western culture, you look at white people, colonization, you see that they have a really specific list of gender roles and compare that to like indigenous folks, you know, their gender roles are much different. In some indigenous groups, you know, females were the leaders. They were the matriarchy uh, of those clans and they were really successful, right? There wasn't like, oh, men, suppo- men are supposed to lead. It was women at the forefront, you know, and these indigenous groups and like Western civilization came and swept that all away and then pretended that their way of life was the way of life when obviously it was not the, it's not the only way of life. It's not, it's not really like, working for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, it, 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 it's me. wrong when you impose it on other people. It'd be okay if like that was your opinion and you kept your opinion to yourself and you like, you know, kept that and lived your own life and didn't bother other people, but it becomes a problem when you treat it like if that's what everybody has to do. Yeah. Um, I don't know if our, I don't know if we'll ever have a female leader or female president, honestly, just because of the way that our country started and the way that it's always been, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely agree that in, in different cultures, there are different roles. And I think, you know, with, with Mexican culture, um, uh, when you're looking at Mexican culture, it's like, it's kind of similar to like, they see the, the gender roles similar to how they are in the U S but it's like a little bit more exaggerated. Like you were saying, you know, like the <laughs> women is, she, the, the woman is meant to cook and clean and stay home and, you know, socialize at the house, I feel like. And then the man is like, goes to work and they're supposed to be like tough and the ones who uh, discipline the kids and stuff from, from what I've seen, because I've dated a couple like, you know, uh, Mexican guys uh, who had very traditional family and that's kind of how it was. And they, and I didn't know how to cook at that time. So, um, it was like his mom's job to this guy's mom's job to teach me how to cook 
and how to take care of chickens and stuff. <laughs> it was really weird, but Whoa. I mean, it was, it was a good experience though. I mean, I learned to cook and take care of chickens. So that was cool. But, and at the time I thought it was a little weird, but I wasn't offended by it. I was just like, huh, interesting. It was just like, yeah, it was just interesting to like be enveloped in their, that culture. And it was more, yeah, just seeing what it was like rather than being like protesting that I was just like experiencing it, you know? Yeah. But I would say like, but I was just going to say, but I'm glad that that's not how I'm living today. (laughs) What were you going to say? Me too. Oh, I was just going to say, like, for my experience, I feel like just going back to the whole idea of, like, how America was brought up and thinking of, like, those gender roles and thinking of, like, why I rooted down and the way I am. I'm a Texan. Like, I grew up in Texas, moved out here. Um, But with that being said, like, I come from the slave trade. Like, that's straight up what happened. And so in my background and in my like um, ancestral trauma, like that is rape. Like, unfortunately, that is like um, having to like pass a certain way growing up so that I could like be able to participate in certain um, activities. That was not being able to swim or hang out in certain neighborhoods. That was just like having this like rejected experience no matter what, because I wasn't seen as human. Um, and that has been something that has been consistent in American history for all of time, um, with black people specifically. Mm -hmm. And so even being mixed and even being this person that my family saw as someone who would bring our family together or our families together, and we would forget about racism and all these things, like none of that really happened. And I grew up on like the outskirts of being accepted as like a beautiful black child at the end of the day. So I think a lot of my identity comes in also with like that rejected feeling of knowing like what America was built upon and the rejection of the rejection of just the fact that like, I don't have to be like this female and like literally like female in a house because that is the way that some men on the internet describe women. And it's like, I've never identified that way. No one in my family ever has or was given the opportunity to. So why should I start checking that box now? Uh Um, Yeah. But just to like elongate that story for like the black experience, because I think a lot of people forget that like non-binary people exist on, I feel like a greater rate with like, queer POC and black and indigenous people. And there is a reason for that. And that is because of like the inherited trauma that we carry and the like learned trauma that we have from having to exist in a world that isn't quite accepting unless you're white and male. Yeah. It's a, it's really cool that we're talking about this because today I uh, spent 8 AM to 4 PM in a racial diversity training for work and it was actually really well put together um you know one of the things that we kind of left off on was talking about whiteness uh and understanding whiteness and entitlement uh but more specifically understanding it in the context of the racial history of this country and just like Rizzo was saying uh they're right that this history is completely plagued by racial Tension, division, segregation. I mean, almost every single major historical event in the United States is directly tied to race, to some sort of discrimination of some sort of group. Like, 
it's always going to be based off of that. And, you know, you can think about from Rodney King to Al Malkay to Rosa Parks to Iraq to Iran to 9-11. You know, 9-11 spurred Islamophobia. You know, the you know war in Iraq was all about going after Muslims, which is atrocious, right? Uh, so this country is plagued by, you know, this obsession with creating racial division. And what's really... I think important is uh, is understanding that because when you're talking to people of color, when you're working within a system that is currently creating social and economic divide, you need to be making an effort to try to, you know, not allow that to happen. And you can't just stand by and say like, well, I don't see color, you know, I treat everybody equally. Because what you're really doing is you're doing nothing about what's happening by being colorblind, right? Because the problem isn't that people are being treated equally. It's that people have been treated unequally for so long that even if you treated people equally today, white folks have so much of a privilege. It'd be impossible. It'd be impossible for black and brown folks and folks that are, you know, queer, LGBTQ to ever make those strides because the system is rigged against those folks. And so like the myth that you can do it is a myth. Uh, and what we have to do is be more than equal, more than colorblind. We need to start dismantling the systems, you know, that are causing the oppression. We need to start walking in there and remembering that, you know what, it's not just enough for me to treat people equally. I need to uplift them because you remember that picture right. on Facebook with the fence and then the kids yeah, were like yeah, looking over the that. fence and the, the equity fence. Yep. Yeah, the equity fence. It's not about equality. Mm-hmm. It's about equity, especially considering the context of our history where everything is based off race, economics, and, you know, like social well-being. And you know what? It's all a story about who gets screwed over and it's black and brown folks. Yep. Yep. As uh, mm-hmm. all three of us are... definitely feel that and then on top of that being queer that's a whole other other level and uh you know being non-binary i well i'm not going to say it's harder than just being gay or whatever but it's it's more confusing to people um so i think that makes it a little harder and i think i think it's confusing because it makes people question their own like whatever like I used to when I first came out one of my biggest thing was being like well if you're like into me like sexually or romantically then you're you're kind of queer like mm-hmm. you know because like it's the truth like if you have to accept my identity where I'm at and accept that like you're dating someone or involved with someone that's identifying this way and there's like no fault to you but like accept it and I think that like in that way even on like friendship levels and like even business levels, like people are just like, wait, what? You want me to use they, them? Mm-hmm. Can I use your name? And I'm like, yeah, name works, works just as well as they, them. But at the end of the day, it's like, you have to acknowledge the fact that like people out here be existing, like even if yeah. they're not presenting like the most whatever to you that you've seen online, like we are out here existing. Yeah. Um, that's something that I've noticed too, is like people just don't even want to accept that. Um, I posted like a super 
I, I thought it was a hot pick, like a thirst trap. And like, I think on my butt or something in like tiny letters, I said, if you're looking at this, you're gay. <laughs> because like, it doesn't matter who exactly. you are if you're like into me. Yeah. You're like a little bit queer, but I don't think everybody would agree with that. You know, they're like, nope, that's not, that's not true. But, but really, like, like I said before, I'm the same person who I was before I started using different pronouns. You know, if you found me attractive two years ago before I, you know, started using they, them pronouns, it doesn't change. It doesn't really change anything because this is who I always have been. I just found words to describe who I really am. You know, like I tell people I'm, which isn't completely true, but because like, what is a man? What is a woman? But I've all, ever since I was little, I've been um, bisexual and my, my parents knew that just because of the things they, they just knew. Okay. <laughs> like since I was a kid, like the first person I was attracted to was, um, I always forget her name, but the woman from species with blonde hair, like that was the first person I think that I was ever attracted to when I was a kid. Um, but where was I going with this? Oh yeah. So, but since I was a kid, I also told people that I was a man, like, I felt like I was a man on the inside, but I like to look, but I like to look feminine. And that's, that's the same, that's the same thing today. Like, I feel like I have a lot of personality traits as people who grew up as, as men. And, um, I think it's just because I, well, I don't even know, but I, I get along with men better. Like I, like I said before, and, um, and I think, you know, people who like men who are straight, um, they get along with me really well because, you know, cause, because I can relate to them. And then, um, you know, those, those men also are the ones who don't want to face the facts that I'm, they're like into somebody who isn't, doesn't identify the way, like as, as if, you know, as, as a woman, I guess. But, um, yeah. So I guess my point in all of that is saying that, it doesn't just like putting that label on, on yourself doesn't change who you are. Didn't for me anyway. It just kind of was a way for me to explain to myself and other people who I have always been. Can you relate to that Rizzo or? 100%, 100%. I would say that figuring out what I am has helped me like build better and deeper connections with people because I think it opens the door for like tough conversations around gender. Um, because I am someone who like will give someone so many chances, but I'm one of the belief that like, if you're trying with me and you like do something weird, um, or like are dismissive of like who I am in any kind of way, I'm someone who will like will correct in the moment or will correct over like the coming days. And if you're like, willing to accept that great if not then like I don't end the friendship but I keep it at you know arm's length so I think that like through being able to identify myself I've been able to set up like stronger boundaries with people who like are just like not good for me and who I am in my full identity as it exists today but I would say like the thoughts the feelings the um just wanting to be able to, to label it in some kind of way has always existed for sure. Yeah. And I'm, I'm somebody who doesn't really like labels, but yeah. I think, um, so that's, that's why I, I changed my mind and just, 
um, said that you can basically just call me whatever you want, as long as it's respectful, of course, because, um, yeah, I just really don't like the, the gender labels. And, um, so that part doesn't really matter to me. It doesn't really, if you call me, he, if you call me, she, if you call me, they, it doesn't, for me, it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't change, but, um, yeah. I'm the same way, honestly. I mean, I'll be like, she, her in the club always she her in the club <laughs> and they them in the streets so <laughs> yeah so oh so as as somebody who dances um you you never you didn't come out there you said that you went by she her at the club yeah so for the most like part I would say complicated and maybe you it is somewhat money. complicated so I would come out to like people that I was close to like if it was like if I was at the club for a while and I knew someone well, like another dancer, then I'd like, obviously we talk about gender and stuff when type was down. But outside of that, I would say like with customers, I'd be very specific. Like if you knew I was non-binary, like please, she, her me out there. Like you don't have to worry about, pro- like I'd be very clear with the folks that I would talk to it about with. Um, but then like, Recently, I've tried to update my pronouns, I believe, on like Instagram, and I like lost some followers. So I just removed them completely. And I was just like, all right, like, if that's the flex that happens when you try to identify yourself in that way in a like exotic dancing stripping environment, then like, okay, like, I'm not going to take that out. Um, So I'd say like, I've kind of had my moments where I've tried, but I haven't exactly like found that like niche moment. I would say, though, with folks specifically in Portland, because Portland's like strip capital of the world, for folks who don't know, um, there's like 74, 79 strip clubs or something and 10 square miles. It's wild. It's like per capita. Um, there's yeah, strip it's, clubs here. It's great. But with that, like I would say if there were folks that were like LGBTQ or <laughs> this is scary AF. Oh my I god! Know, I lost it. my train of thought. <laughs> I know. I'm um, like, trying not to look at him because he's making me laugh. Right? But... With there being like a lot of like queer folks in Portland, I will come out to folks like either friends that would come see me in the club, obviously already knew. And then like anyone who was like referred by a friend, like I'd like let them use whatever, like the correct pronouns with me because they knew. But it really, for me, it's like, it's more on a like need to know basis. Like if we're good friends and I'll be correcting you, but if we're not good friends then like do whatever you like, I'm not going to like come for you because I'm never going to talk to you again. So Hiram will come for them. <laughs> Yeah, straight okay. up. That sounded bad, but you know what I mean. Based, for those who are just listening, he has a knife and he's dressed up for Halloween. <laughs> yeah, I will come after you. Okay, we're going to get banned from Twitch. Cut it out. <laughs> okay, true, huh? I forgot that they were really strict about Well, there's like a G-U-N ban, but I don't know about knives. Um, so um, I, I want to say that that's really important to keep in mind, Rizzo. I really appreciate you sharing that because, like, it's dynamic, you know, and it's really up to you with what you're comfortable with and who you're comfortable sharing that with, right? Um, and that's one thing we have to remember. We have to be adaptive, right? That's the thing. It's just that, like, no one person you meet is going to like one specific thing. And, you know, anybody who tells you that the entire LGBTQ community wants something – uh, or the other one way strictly is because they're ignorant. They don't really understand how complex and individual every person is like how everybody has things that make them uncomfortable and comfortable and have, has triggers or don't have trigger or doesn't have triggers. Right. You know, whatever. I mean, it, it's just like, it, it, it would be such a huge mistake to say everybody's the same. 
you know what I mean? And so, yeah, no, I appreciate you reminding us how, you know, every little situation can be different for you and how that's okay. And how that's important to keep in mind, right? We have to be adaptive. Yeah. Right. And queer people aren't a monolith. Like we aren't one way. Everyone exists on this earth and even straight people, like even like people who live straight heterosexual lives, like we like, they're not one way either. Like we all come from different cultures, but at the same time, like you have to acknowledge the fact that like literally there are certain cultures that worship non-binary individuals. And for whatever reason, we live in a country that like, dismisses and says like you have to fit into a box so i think just challenging that narrative and trying your best to to move past it is really really important in your day-to-day life yeah so have you noticed like people being triggered by the fact that you are non-binary or talking about it because i definitely whenever i talk about non-binary stuff in my story people are like oh what is that and they're like And then they start saying, you're a woman and like, you know, and then they'll be like, can you explain to me what this means? I don't get it. I thought you've always been this way. And I'm like, just Google it. Like, it's not that hard. Like the experience is different for everybody that like as a non-binary person, like we were just saying, but like you can get the gist of it just by Googling it. Right. (laughs) Like Like, that's like an emotional labor. Yeah. (laughs) And, And like people like come after me or they, they, I've been unfollowed. And then I also like had, um, one of those things where people, anonymous people, people can ask me anonymous questions and somebody, instead of asking a question said, Oh, that stuff about two spirit and non-binary that you posted was super cringe. And I'm just like, not to me. I was like, that's why I post that shit because I want to piss y'all off and all, but also, you know, make it, make other people more comfortable talking about it. And being who they really are. <laughs> right. This is allowed because we're cooking. <laughs> Y'all thought I was a murderer. I'm just a cook. Oh, okay. See? <laughs> <laughs> just uh, cutting up my grapes for later, you know? Yeah. So when it comes to like, to gender roles, I I think it's okay to say that, you know, hear me out that women, you know, belong in the kitchen in some relationships and men belong at work in some situations in some relationships, but also in other relationships, the guy does better with the kids and the woman, you know, maybe has a better career. So instead of the woman staying home, the guy stays home. And I've seen that more and more recently, but it, it really depends on the relationship. It doesn't, to me, it doesn't really, yeah, it's not really dependent on gender. Like for me, I feel like I'm really good with getting my kids to, to do things and like planning for them and everything. But my kid's dad is really good with them, like playing with them, um, which, you know, he has more fun with them, unfortunately, but that's just what he's good at. So, you know, like when we go to the beach or something, where when we were together, I, you know, I'd be like, all right, I'm going to tan you guys play. And then he would sit there and play with them. And I'm like, this is why we had the second one so that they could play together and we could just like chill, you know, but so anyway, so he was, he was better with the kids in that sense. And he's a, he's a better cook for the most, I'm getting better. Um, and yeah, so it just depends on like where your strengths are. I don't think it's like, oh, you're a woman, so you need to be in the kitchen or blah, blah, blah. So 
Yeah. It all I goes agree. back to consent, you know? I think that, like, what's really important is that we're always conscious of what makes our partners and our friends and our family comfortable and uncomfortable and doing our best to make them as comfortable as possible. Right. Because even this talk about gender roles is about consent. It's about consenting to these gender roles. It's about consenting to these expectations. You should have the ability to say yes or no without repercussions to your financial, mental, and every other kind of health, you know. I got to get back to cutting grapes. For sure. No, I agree. I feel like I in some ways fit the typical mold for like, I love to cook. Like I have a degree in nutrition, but again, that's not the same thing as loving to cook. That's getting yourself in a shit ton of debt and <laughs> learning how to cook too. Um, yeah. But with that being said, like anything else in the home, like I, um, go in between wanting and not wanting children or like having this long off goal where like, if I can be Samantha Jones from, sex in the city basically and not have a child until I'm 40 I would 100% be on that train a lot of partners Um, don't have kids until they're like 40 I've noticed yeah and I mean I think just like wanting to be able to plan and like it goes back to just wanting to be able to like plan a better future for myself and for whoever or whatever I like choose to do in the future but all that to say, like, I don't think that has like those decisions, like wanting to cook or possibly wanting a child or planning for that in a way that feels good for me really has anything to do with my gender, but all to do with who I want to be as a person. Mm -hmm. And I think we all have those desires. And just because like someone is non-binary queer doesn't mean that they don't deserve to fulfill those like aspirations and desires and goals. So Mm -hmm. I think the planning just looks a lot different at the end of the day. Yeah. It's like you decide and you, um, coordinate with your partner. That's how it really should be for me. When I, you know, when my kids were smaller, I wanted to be at home with them, even though like I naturally am not like, like their dad is more motherly when it comes to certain things. Like I said, um, but I just wanted to be home with them. Like I, I didn't want to have to work. Like I was nursing and stuff. So I, that's just what I wanted at the time. But it's just, yeah, it's just like agreeing, um, coordinating together and agreeing. It's not like, you know, this is your gender, so you have to do it. Do you mind if we talk about your relationship a little bit, Rizzo? Not like without going into too much depth, but just as it relates to this conversation? Uh, sure. Okay. Depends on the question, but sure. <laughs> so you're you're dating someone who is non-binary as well. Have you dated other people who are, are non-binary aside from them? Yes, okay. I have. Are you, do you um, feel that you're more attracted to, or does it, does it just like depend on the person or do you, do you like, are you more attracted to people who are non-binary because they can relate? Yeah. So I think it, it definitely ebbs and flows. So for me, I think that it's easier to build genuine and long lasting connections with other folks who are either queer, trans, non-binary can relate in some sort of way, like to my experience. Um, I wouldn't say that those connections are necessarily stronger because I'm also polyamorous. So like I like date multiple people. Um, and so like I would say with like cis people, typically I'm gra- I gravitate towards folks who like are doing the work to get to know me on that level versus just the like, how am I looking today? And, you know, like, do you look really high femme for me when we hang out? And can I like show you off like all that stuff feels really nice and validating for me when I want to be perceived. But on days where I'm not wanting that, like 
if you can't meet me there, then I can't keep hanging out with you type vibe. So Uh I'd say that it's easier to build those genuine connections with someone who understands than with someone who doesn't, but it doesn't really matter if your sister non-binary or um, heterosexual. So hmm. I thought I'd have more questions about that, but (laughs) think of them. I already know. I know you too. So it's like trying to think of, a question. No, but I, I think you explained it beautifully, though, and I really appreciate that because that's a very unique perspective on relationships that a lot of people that not a lot of people take. And again, it's just a matter of what you're comfortable with, right? And uh, Rizzo, uh, they have given us a really good explanation of how they like things. Everybody likes things different, but again, Skyrim for the pronouns. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> See, I try. I told you, it's about trying. Everybody should try. I don't even have a mouth and I still try. <laughs> Literally, you could have messed up and I wouldn't have even known because of the mouth. But <laughs> here you are showing up. <laughs> yes, you're showing up for us and we appreciate it. I, uh, I, I was trying to eat the grapes, but I forgot I had no mouth. I don't yeah. know why I tried to cook. Well, but, hopefully you have other people to feed. Um, so it looks like we have like eight more minutes left. Is there anything Rizzo as somebody who is, has been out as non-binary for seven years, who's, you probably feel comfortable, you know, I'm not going to say in that role because it's not a role, but you feel comfortable, you know, with your pronouns and, um, and all that. Um, for somebody who is thinking about coming out as non-binary or who is new to that world, I guess, or I don't even know how to explain it. It's not a world. Cause it's like, like I said, it's, you're the same person, but who's new to, to being out as, as non-binary. Um, do you have any advice or knowledge to drop on that? For sure. Um, I think maybe two or three things. First one would be really rely on those who you see as like individuals that you like look up to because typically you don't stumble upon like non-binariness or transness or like LGBTQ-ness or any of those things unless you are questioning. So if that is the case, like really rely on any individual in your life or on social media or whatever for like content and like things that will keep you going. Um, Because one thing that can be really uh, a really big struggle in the beginning is just believing yourself um, and believing that this is a change that you can make and that people can identify and understand in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing I would say is to protect yourself. If you work at a corporate job, you are protected by like your rights, basically, in, in most places, if you feel like you're being like discriminated against at any point. In a like corporate type situation, I've worked at multiple jobs where I've been able to have really honest conversations with my leadership to ensure that like those types of problems, A, stop happening for myself and B, start ha- or stop happening for like the community as a whole for speaking up. Um, I would say like not the same type of vibe for like a small job, but if you have a job that you're worried about like coming out at, like you are protected. And like, if you do ever have a problem, at least in Oregon, there are like, uh, lawyers that will help you pro bono if you were ever to lose your job through a coming out situation. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that those networks exist in other places as well throughout the U.S. Um, third thing, I would also just say, like, you know, take it at your own pace, like do what feels good um, for you. So if that's like 
changing your wardrobe first, but not really like fucking around with your pronouns or your name or really like doing anything to change anything outside of like your day to day life. If you just want to like express yourself in a different way, do that. Um, if it's coming up for you where you want to change your pronouns and you want to go by the same name, totally fine. Plenty of us do that for some period of time and never change our names. Like it's, it's totally fine. Um, again, it's really just taking it at your own place based on what you're learning, um, through like the internet, uh, folks like us who do these great podcasts and like to inform you all, um, as well as just like taking the time to read up on literature and, and, and understanding like it is a choice that you can make and it is something that has established history. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of really good info. And when you're saying it, like I, when I asked the question, I couldn't think of anything that I would want to say, but that is all stuff that is super important for somebody who's new to, to coming out as non-binary. Like um, for me um, specifically, I, I told friends like, Oh, I feel the same. I was like, what does it mean to be non-binary to you? And I was like, Oh wow. I feel that same way, but I think it's too late for me to change my pronouns or to like come out like that. Oh, that's creepy. Hiram. Uh, <laughs> but like, I, you know, I'm like, Oh, I'm older. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not 20 anymore. So this isn't going to work. But then like, I kept thinking about it until it's like, it was starting to like eat at me. And I'm like, I just want to like, who cares what people think? Who cares if people are not going to use these pronouns for me? It's more about, it's more for me to where I feel more comfortable in this world as telling the world exactly who I am. You know, like that's, that's what was the most important thing for me is just accepting myself, my whole self and, um, and uh, having, putting it out there for other people to accept too. And then when people actually accept me, that's a bonus. When people use, you know, the, the right pronouns, that's extra points too. <laughs> but yeah. How many? No, I can't oh, um, I don't think you asked or answer the question of what are three things that you think society sees as masculine and feminine. If you wanted to quickly answer that and like, kind of relate that to your life, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think that three things that are typically like more masculine leaning would be like strength and like, just like brawn, like just willingness to like go through anything to do something for someone else. Whereas I want to contrast it with a, with a female one really quick and then I'll do the other two masculine ones. Um, with, like being soft, um, femininity is like soft and like you need to be saved and just the whole, you know, childhood story that repeats itself over and over again in Disney movies. Um, and basically it's like indoctrinated in every like love story that we have. Um, I think that that, like that, basically like that, um, I can't think of the word, but like when two things contrast one another, like, that can dichotomy like, or um, yeah dichotomy exactly when that happens it just makes me like really question like what the fuck like we used to give birth to babies in woods by ourselves and for whatever reason we've reduced ourselves to to this like people having vaginas are, are weak and that's weird to me um so i would say that's we the big one that's pain tolerance. <laughs> like i'm like we do <laughs> 
Oh man. Um, I would say the other two masculine things I'd say are like need to be breadwinners and need to make more money for like doing the same type of jobs or for stealing ideas, which is like, has been something that's been really tough for me, like in a corporate environment. Um, and three for like masculine, I would say it's just like, uh, needing like, what is the, um, oh my gosh, I don't want to say mansplain, but just like, men having the like this way oh, of being able to explain <sighs> over explain but like when women do it or when people with vaginas do it it's like they're again overly emotional or like too much talking too much or too passionate um mm-hmm. yeah or like um, when they don't of, they don't believe anything you say oh my god that's yeah that was a big one like, in one of my relationships what? <laughs> um the third one i think for femininity would be um I would say resilient, like even though we have like that soft energy, like women are resilient as fuck because we go through a lot of fuck shit and somehow keep like showing up and trying to be like maternal and kind um, in most instances where like, I feel like with men, anytime like I've like fucked over a dude, they're like, fuck you and fuck your life. Whereas like if I fuck over my like girlfriend, like they're just like, didn't like that. Hope you don't do it again. I'll give you like a few more chances type shit. So I think that like femininity is like super resilient and like wants to grow from like any kind of like struggle, which is super, super nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those are good ones. Um, I tried to finish off with a, at least a like positive one. Yeah. (laughs) Let's see for me. You'd think that usually when I ask questions, I already know the answers, but this episode that's not the case for some reason, but let's see for masculine. I would say, yeah, like not with a lot of emotions and, uh, and, and just being yeah tough emotionally, I guess is more of a masculine trait societally anyway. Um, being more promiscuous or like getting, getting more women, or getting, getting a lot of women is seen as like being a positive thing, uh, where, and I'll, I'll, uh, contrast that with, with women, women are, you know, known in our society to be more emotional as you were saying. And then if they, and then if they have, uh, if they're promiscuous, they're like, that's, that's something negative, obviously seen as negative by, by most people. Um, and there are a lot of slurs for that, like sluts, which we all know. Um, and then the third thing, let's see something that's masculine. Hmm. I don't know. The the first thing that comes to mind is like being able to drink a lot, like have a high tolerance to alcohol. That's probably not even one of the most important things, but it's just like something that came to my mind. If there's like a woman who like drinks a ton, you know, like, like society, so societally we'd see you know, that in a negative, them in a negative light. But if men are like, you know, lightweights, that's seen as something weak. Or like something to be taken advantage of, which is even more frustrating because it's like contributing to toxic masculinity, which is its own podcast episode. Yeah, we should do a whole toxic masculinity. That would definitely, that one will definitely trigger me for sure. But one time try to get me on toxic masculinity i was on campus walking around being a regular student in college and i got approached by infowars and they're like hey man uh don't you think that soy boys 
and you know this and that they're too delicate and you know emotions i'm like you know something i grew up in a mexican household where i was told never to cry let me tell you right now it feels good to cry and you know it's good to be yourself and to have emotions and not to have to fall into something that you never consented to in the first place right we never consented to these social constructs of men don't cry i like to cry you know leave me alone it feels good well, to cry sometimes. And I just, I, and I just want to say something that I just thought of is I think a lot of the reason why, you know, I think there's, there's something to like, obviously nurture plus nature. I think they are, they, you know, both matter when it comes to like, you know, how you turn out as an adult, like your personality and something that was more of like a nurture thing for me was that my parents would not allow me to cry in public or to be emotional in public. And they would, um, especially my dad, like when, especially when I was like playing soft or baseball and I would get hit, he would say like, walk it off and don't cry. Don't be a bitch kind of a thing. So, and that's, that's how I was raised. So I was raised to be very tough emotionally. And I think that that is something that we all thought of when we thought of somebody who's masculine. So I think that kind of has a lot to do with my personality as identifying as somebody who's more masculine on the inside is just like, I'm just really tough when it comes to emotions, but I'm also kind of like a simp baby too. When it just depends on the situation, but like everybody in my family and like, and most of my friends just see me as a strong person that they like, they don't really check on me very often. And, um, you know, my close friends do, but like my mom even said, like when I was going through some rough times a couple years ago, like through my divorce or whatever, she was like, you know, she told me that she wished she would have checked in on me, but she knows that I'm just tough and independent. You know, I'm like, yeah, but you know, I'm, I'm working on that. I'm working on that. I think that that's something that a lot of men have to work on too is, you know, realizing that it's okay to feel emotions. That's a whole nother episode too. But, <laughs> and I, I read something recently and some, one of my friends, um, talked a little bit about this, about how it's kind of sad how men were raised like that in, in our society. And it's, you know, they feel really bad for men. I'm like, well, <laughs> I don't really feel bad <laughs> for them. <laughs> But, but, but that is something that they do have to, that is a hurdle that they do have to jump over for sure. Well, let me tell you like, learning how yeah, to and it could be a really big deal. And I think like, it, it could, it could lead to like men being less, less capable of not only navigating their own emotions, but understanding the emotions of others. Right. Because like you're almost asking somebody to be a psychopath. You know, by asking them not to have natural emotional responses to difficult, traumatic situations, right? Like, because a lot of the time, these are situations where, like, you're hurt, you're crying, something's happening, and somebody's bumping and telling you, like, hey, suck it up, you know? Like, stop being, like, a little girl, little girl, right? Talking about tropes and these, you know, derogatory terms. And they, they tell you that you have to act like a man, man, be strong, be like, you know, and so like what, what you never learn to navigate your own emotions. And I feel like a really important part of understanding other people is first understanding yourself, right? Because that's kind of like the point of reference we all have from. We all kind of can understand each other's pain because we understand our own and we can use that sort of as a tool to sympathize and hopefully eventually empathize with the other people. But again, it all starts with first being introspective and toxic masculinity 
is a complete opposite, right? It's all about like you ignoring your feelings, looking them over, you know, being tough as nails. And so, yeah, no, you're right. You know, I think in a lot of ways, that toxic masculinity of don't feel emotions has led men to be less empathetic, you know, and, and trash. I mean, I <laughs> men are trash in a lot of cases, you know, and I talk personally, <laughs> hardly say like men are, you know, trash and it's, it's because there's this lack of consciousness, you know, over things like privilege and consent and entitlement and race. And I mean, there's so many things at play, right? And it's really complicated, but like all in all, you know, like you said, we could talk about this all day and never really get to the core of it because it's a million things happening at once that are creating a society that just doesn't work for people like, you know, us. I mean, even I, I'm, really I'm a male anybody. of color, uh, you know, as a Mexican, I've been pulled over, accused of smoking weed and accused of doing that and accused of doing this. And like, just because of the color of my skin, I know I look white right now, but I swear to God. <laughs> I, I'm not very white passing. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, just so much to unpack. Yeah, for sure. And we're going to do the unpacking, but I think that's it for this episode. I mean, honestly, I could, I always say this, but I can just talk for hours and hours, especially with Rizzo because, um, that's my home dog right there <laughs> and Hiram too. I love you. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for taking time to talk with us about this important topic. And hopefully we have educated some people. If we reach one person, that's good enough for me. Um, if anybody has any questions, feel free to reach out to me in my inbox. Actually, Google stuff first, but <laughs> there's like a question that you really can't figure out. Go ahead and ask me. Rizzo, do you want to put your, uh, your social media out there? Do you want to kind of remain... Sort of anonymous. No, I don't know I, if you want to matter. Okay, I don't know. Yeah, if you I'll give the main one. DMs, but it doesn't matter. I can give the main one. Um, yeah, uh, glamour guillotine, glamour with a U, like the magazine. It's a whole thing. Um, but glamour guillotine is my Instagram is that like handle. Thing again. Yes. I love yes. It. Exactly. Um, but you can find me there, and you can ask me questions too. Um, I'm here for questions about um this topic as well as like if you ever want to get into pole dancing or personal training with me, me. let me know. <laughs> right. Thank you so much. Well, this has been another Ooh. episode of Base with Desmond Hiram, Carissa Des. And Hiram with one short, sweet, nothing, you know, take this, remember to apply it to your life because one thing is, you know, to listen. Another thing is to apply the knowledge that you gain. So, uh, if there's a way for you to apply that in your everyday life in a small way, please do so. If you can do it in a big way and maybe, you know, completely change the perspective that you realize is wrong, uh, do that too. But, uh, you know, yeah. that's all we're about. And Carissa does a really good job at navigating that. And it couldn't be possible without the people like Rizzo. <laughs> so, you know, thank um, you guys. Those are and I, and I do want to say now. that we did, we did touch on um, equity. And uh, I just want to remind you to treat your queer people better than other, your queer and POC people who knew, you know in your lives. Like, Give them more grace and, um, you know, pay attention to, to what they what they have to say a little bit more. Like, you know, help us out. All right. Well, you we got to stop being nice, though, because I'm supposed to be evil. So 
Yeah. Oh, and for some nice things. All right. Okay, well, thanks, y'all. Have a good one. This Happy has been Rizzo Page again uh, as, as our special guest, the homie. And uh, this has been an amazing hollow. Stop it, Hiram. <laughs> that mask. Uh, this has been.